the Encountering God podcast. I have never done the intro to this, so I don't know what it should be. But Paul, I think that works. I don't know. We're talking about Romans still. You might be thinking, hey, wait a minute. Where's Connor? Uh, Connor's got all kinds of great stuff he's working on this summer, including uh, some work with the Canada Summer Games, and he got really busy. So I uh, thought it would be great to jump back in and get to quiz Paul with some really hard questions. Here we are, eh? We are here. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good and uh, excited to be back into this. And uh, it's kind of fun doing this with you since we do yeah. our podcast generally through the year. Uh, fun fact, if you want to follow the Postscript podcast, you certainly certainly should put that into your, uh, now that you're used to podcasts because you're listening to us right now. Uh, maybe you'd like to join that one too. Sometimes we talk after the messages to explain a little bit more about kind of unpack things a bit um, after we've kind of gone through a passage. So yeah. And uh, today we're talking about encountering God and we've been looking through the book of Romans. Mm -hmm. The book of Romans. And I'm really excited. We're going to be um, getting into the super easy subject of freedom. Yes. Right? Um, so you, you've been going through this, you've been doing the daily podcast. Um, is there anything in the last week that's really struck you anything that you're like wrestling through. Cause I mean, yeah, you, you probably just read these and you know all the right answers and then it's just done. You move on. Right. Yeah, that's how it works. Of course. Yeah, no, I think, I think this idea that you touched on there in terms of freedom is something that I've been thinking a little bit about. Um, and, and one of the podcasts we actually, you know, if you've been listening along, we talked about this idea of a myth of freedom and, and it really kind of struck me this idea. I think, I think we talk a lot about freedom in the church. We talk about freedom in our faith. We talk about what it means, how God has set us free and all of these kinds of things. And I think that if we're not careful, we can have a bit of a distorted view of freedom hmm. because the question I had to ask myself is, are we actually free? Um, is that really what happens when we uh, commit ourselves to a life of following Jesus? Man, are we actually free? Well, that's that's a great question. I, I think freedom is also such a good thing to touch on because it has become something we're talking about all over the place. Oh, you're right. Totally. We, we talk about it in the church, but I mean, if you've been watching the news lately, if you're following politics, there's lots of talk about yeah. freedom, especially in the West, in Canada, um, or other places in the world, I'm sure. And, and what is your definition of freedom? Um, I mean, as a worship leader and someone who writes and pays attention to songs, I have noticed how many songs lately talk about freedom and how it's used a little bit differently. Like, yeah. what are we, what are we talking about here? So yeah, tell me about that. Like, what are, what are you thinking of? There's, you know, a, a lot of the songs that are coming out these days are talking about like the power of the spirit and it's his ability to give us freedom to, yeah. to win the battle. There's a lot of battle language. There's a lot of, um, talking about these things. And, and I'm struck by like the fact that I'm, I'm not, I'm actually not entirely sure all the time what what that freedom is. And it's right. it's almost like often to me it feels like a bit of a feel-good freedom. Like we expect God to come up and to come in and clean up our messes and we yeah. know he can, we know he's got the power to do it. So come and and give us freedom. Like freedom is this blanket statement that means goodness. Yeah. And I'm not always sure if I read the the stories of the Bible and read about the, you know, the saints in generations past, um, whether in the Bible or not. I, their lives don't always look like victory as in like comfort and yeah. getting over the hard things. Yeah. They, they look like a really maybe contented version of suffering often, yeah. which isn't the definition of freedom that I often think of. Right. And, and yet 
right? And yet. Yeah. So th- this is a really good jumping off point. I think, I think you know, uh, one of the things that we know in, in the U.S., there's this idea that, you know, the, the greatest ideal is freedom. Mm-hmm. And they talk about this idea of, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Yep. And this, this freedom kind of language sort of fits into the very core of, of who uh, Americans are. And by extension, sort of a, a Western ideal, you know, something that we think about in our country, too, is that you know, being free means being able to do what you want in some cases. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in in the U S being free has this like, you know, rugged individualism that I can become who I want to become. If I just work hard enough, if I do this, I'm free to be able to make money and enjoy, you know, a, a, all the good things that life has to offer. And Mm -hmm. so you're right. There's this connection between really good things and freedom and, and, and in, in a sense, the Bible talks about that too. I think there is a bit of, um, you know, freedom is goodness in a sense, but it's not free to do whatever we want. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I used an illustration about, um, dogs and we've been talking about this a little bit. You and I training um, because, our dogs, you know, training our dogs, something that we love to do. And, uh, you in particular, you, I mean, you have a smart dog. Oh goodness. Um, but dogs are dumb. Like, let me just be clear, right? As much as we love dogs and we love to talk about this, they can't make a sandwich. They can't like, you know, make the bed. They can't. And it's not just about opposable thumbs. They just, no. you know, they can do some things. They can follow instruction, but they don't always know what's best for them. In fact, I, I was having a conversation with someone yeah. um, in, on my uh, my son's baseball team. They love dogs. And they said, you know, it's kind of sad that, that because of the way that we've domesticated dogs, we've basically made it so that they can't survive on their own. <laughs> we've created dogs mm. in a way that like, if if my dog was completely left to her own devices, she'd probably eat a whole bunch of garbage or, I mean, actually my brother's, uh, my brother-in-law's dog um, got into the cat food for the, and and ate the entire container of cat food. Oh, good. <laughs> and and so he's all like, they come home and he's all bloated, like, what have I done? I yeah, yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> a terrible mistake. Yeah. And, and the point I'm trying to make is that left to their own devices, they would probably be very destructive, um, even to their own peril. They would, oh, they might not survive. Let me tell you a fun story about my dog, if I can, yeah. which will only prove your point. So Reaver, Border Collie, less than one, learning how to swim, so much fun. Yeah. Border Collies have this thing where they try to eat waves because yeah. it moves and anything that moves needs to be herded and needs yeah. to be nipped at. So he, like... We have to watch him when he tries to swim because he, one, tries to swim to the middle of the lake when we're up at the cottage, right. which is not a great move. Right. He can swim well, not that well. Right. And two, he just tries to eat enough water that he could drown himself, Yeah. which is not the definition of the world's smartest dog. Exactly. Exactly. And so what I'm trying to get at, and I think this is an important, it's furthering the point here, is that is that on their own, left to their own devices, if you let a dog be free to do whatever they want, mm-hmm. they will die. Yes. <laughs> they will not survive. Yes. And I think, and and so what we do is we put a leash on a dog. We expect obedience from a dog, not because um, necessarily because we want to like, you know, look cool and have a dog that's walking in perfect heel. We do this because we want to protect them, keep them safe. Mm-hmm. You know, they're part of our family. And so we love them and care for them. And and I think, you know, this, I if, if we take this idea and put it into our own lives, it is very offensive. Like the idea that we would be led by somebody or that we would have to be obedient to someone else is just like, that's a non-starter for us in our culture. It's like, no, 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 I I am my own person. I can do my own thing. I'm way smarter than a dog. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at it from the big perspective, God's perspective, 
you know, we are very similar in the sense that left to our own devices, we will go in strange places. We'll yeah. take, we will run off and, and, and do all these things. Are we free? Sure. We might be free, but we may end up killing ourselves. Right. And, and so I think that this is a really good illustration for us because it's actually obedience that provides some sense of peace in the chaos of life. Hmm. It's, it's not a freedom to, to make my own decisions or a freedom to do whatever I want. I think this is really important because our lives are sometimes rocky and chaotic and there are all kinds of things coming at us. And there's probably a part of us that believe, you know, well, if I, if I just had enough money or if I had the ability here, or if I could do this, I would be able to fix my situation. Hmm. The people who know they can't fix their situation are people who are in really dark places where things have gone sideways for a very long time. And you realize I can't fix this on my own. And, you know, we're going to be um, looking at this in, in the week, in next week. But the idea, actually, we just talked about it in chapter seven. My, my weeks are all kind of getting you know stuck together. But this idea of like, I can't, I don't do what I want to do. I hate to do what I do. And I wish I could do what I don't do and all that kind of stuff. That, that's yeah. real. That the struggle is real in our lives. Yeah. And, and I guess what we're trying to get at is the idea that I'm free to do anything I want actually leads me to places that I don't want to be. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, again, really interesting if you look at this broadly in culture, right? We have more, um, man, we've got more ability to to travel, to learn, to do anything we want than ever before. People are talking about how um, kids growing up these days are growing up on the internet, which is kind of this like huge, vast land of whatever they want, Um which has been the human dream, right? It's to, to travel quicker, to, to know more, to see more things. Um, and yet we know the young people today, um, I'm using that as a really broad way, but like are struggling with anxiety, are struggling with a sense of purpose and belonging. And, and what this ability to be everywhere all the time has led us to is this ability to be nowhere with no one. Yeah. And it is terrifying. And yeah. it's really like, it's, it's not good. Yeah. Even though we think, oh, this must be good. It's got to yeah. be good. Yeah. Um, and we believe it's good because we believe in ourselves. Yeah. Right. We have this idea that if you just give me enough time, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And I think there's a generation and probably a whole cultural shift right now where we're recognizing we've had every opportunity to make all the right decisions and figure it all out. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't worked. So no. uh, what gives? And I think what gives at least in my mind is, is this is a good reminder for me that like, again, freedom is not the ultimate goal. Freedom yeah. to do whatever I want is not what I need or what I want. Yeah. So, so let me ask a really fun, really political question. Great. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is what happens when you invite me back. Uh, so what you've just said there actually stands cat like this idea that the best thing is authority to guide us, right? You're kind of saying communism is the way to go, right? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to level that at you for a sec. So what's the difference between this played out in the political social sphere where we've got democracy and then more socialist, more, um, and what we see in Romans and what we're actually talking about here? What's the difference? Right. Okay. So there is no person on earth yes. that is able to uh, lead us in a way that will lead to, um, you know, peace and all of those good things in our lives. There is no economic system that's going to fix it. There is no political party that's going to fix it. 
um, the brokenness in our world is, is an effect, um, it has come from sin and that's something that's deep down inside of each one of us. And so as long as we are trying to use sinful people to solve a problem of sin, we're going to keep failing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, clearly this is not a, uh, a, a, a way of saying that what we all need is, is authoritarianism. But what I would say, though, and I would actually extend this a little further, and, hmm. and I mentioned this in one of the podcasts, what we, what we serve, what we give our lives to is not always a person or an idea. It, it actually it is different for different people, but it's where we find our ultimate joy. Hmm. So, for example, if I think that it's my job that's going to make everything better for me well, or my career— what ends up happening is that our we become slaves to our career. Right. We become absolutely enslaved to our career. That right. means that we are not free at all. We are slaves to 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 get that next step, to walk over people we need to walk over to, you know, whatever. Again, you can put any category in here. You can talk about all these different things, including your spiritual life. You know, if mm. if you say, okay, well. I am going to become a better person or a more godlike person and I put spiritual disciplines in my life. If we are slaves to those spiritual disciplines, um then we we actually are serving no one. We're 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 serving ourselves. It's still a desire for us to fix ourselves. Mm. And and I think what we need to recognize is that is that aside from this idea of um you know uh putting our ultimate trust in a person or in an idea or a concept or, you know, our jobs or money or our spiritual practices or whatever it is. Mm. The Bible talks about this idea of being um, slaves, uh, being uh, completely indebted to Christ, putting him at the center. And so our ultimate goal is to, is to actually get to know him because as we follow him and follow his obedience, that's what brings the clarity and that's what brings the calmness in the midst of the chaos. So we are, we need to put something um, in our lives that's going to be our ultimate goal, mm-hmm. our ultimate focus, and we need to recognize that we already have ultimate goals and ultimate focuses, and those are not going to solve the problem. Right. So how do we shift our allegiance? And and shifting our allegiance is not a move from slavery to freedom. It's transferring our trust from one thing to another thing. It's saying, I'm not going to be a slave to that, but I am going to be a slave to this. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so if we're choosing to be a slave to Jesus, yes. What do we do with the passages that talk about freedom? Like right. how, how do we, how do we hold this idea that yes, I am free, but I am a slave. Is, are the freedom passages simply talking about like, we're free from our guilt to our slavery of sin, or is there more there? What is it? What does it mean to be free? No, I think I think that is exactly it. It's okay. a freedom from our our uh, our sinful selves. It's a freedom from that brokenness that you know kind of entraps us and enslaves us and pulls us down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a freedom to move beyond all of that right. and to go to to do something different. So, like, yeah, yeah, okay, so, yeah. I, it's and it, so it's so the freedom is not a freedom. Again, it's not a freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah, there isn't anything in the Bible that says you're free to do whatever you want. 
But what it does say is that you have been set free from the bondage of sin. Right. And, and, and I think sometimes we, we sort of play this pretty lightly, but you know, we went through the series on the trees and we talked about the garden and what happened at the very beginning and Mm. sin enters the world through this one person, um, in, in Adam. And, and because of that, we all um, are now under sin and in this place that's of complete bondage. We're trapped, entirely trapped and stuck. And, and so this freedom language is appropriate. It does, we are like, God's waking us up to a new way of living apart from that, but it's not a freedom to do whatever we want. So this does come back a little bit in my mind to, um, to authority and to rhythms and patterns and like, so understanding that, like we're, yeah. we're slaves to Christ and Christ is the end, right? If I, yeah. if I can say that. So often we get means and ends confused. So, so a means would be uh, something good, like spiritual disciplines. If those become an end, if they become an ultimate thing, the p- direction we're pointing ourselves to, it's wrong. And, and that can happen with really good things, like the Bible even, right? You can, yeah. you can put the Bible in the place of Jesus. Um, but we also... to to know Jesus, to become slaves to Jesus, we need rhythms and patterns and habits. We're talking about rule of life in our own context. So how do we, how do we keep those things in check? And how do, like, fun question for us as pastors, how do we help people enter into rhythms and habits and practices and um, use influence and authority even yeah. to help people without overstepping those bounds and getting in the way of Jesus being the ultimate. Yeah. Well, I, and I think it would, it, you know, you, you said it clearly that Jesus is the end, right? He's yeah. the goal, but he's also in the middle too. And, and, and I think that when we talk about our spiritual disciplines and specifically, more specifically a rule of life, that that is the, mm-hmm. the patterns and the habits that we put in our life that help us respond or welcome and respond to the person of Jesus, that the the thing is that those can't be an end in themselves. And right. I think for many people, for many, many years, and even in my own life, I see this as well, that that so often we pursue spiritual formation so that we can be better people. But mm. the pursuit of spiritual formation is to get to know Jesus. That's the goal. It's not about it's not about being better. It's not because then it it moves us back into this works-based um, you know, kind of context where if I do these spiritual disciplines well, then I will be a better person and I will be accepted by Jesus. But that's not the goal. It's to get to know him. I mean, let me give you an example because okay. um, because Paul gives an example. And we're going to, I think we're going to talk about this tomorrow if I got my days right, or Monday anyways. He talks about marriage. And uh, let's put aside, there's a lot of things about marriage that, you know, that are, are it's not the ideal. We don't see this, you know, played out very well. Yeah. But let me give you, an, from the idea of marriage, there is something really interesting that happens when you get married to someone. You are voluntarily giving up your freedoms for the sake of someone else, right? Yeah. In many ways, yeah. in, if you're if you're joking about it at a bachelor party or whatever, you call marriage like a ball and chain, or you, there's all these different ways of describing it, and we laugh about it. We say, no, 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 I'm free to do whatever I want. But are you really? Like, if you get married, are you free to do whatever you want? No, right? No. You can't. I can't just, you know, decide I want to go and do something without talking to my wife first, or I can't do, you yeah. know, any of these kinds of things. So why do we get into that relationship? Why would we do it? Because we love the person, yeah. right? Like it is, it's a joy for us to give up some of our freedoms for the sake of somebody else because yeah. we love them, yeah. right? So I, 
I, as I stood in front of, you know, God and friends and family and made my vows to Michelle, I was committing to give up some of my freedoms in order to demonstrate my love for my wife. Right. So pull this over into what you just asked. What is it about living our lives? I think, I think we have to, let me try to say this. Like, I think sometimes in, in, we have this weird thing about religion where we have this idea, if we think about a salvation by grace alone, right? We mm-hmm. have this idea of a gift from God. And so is our faith about this idea that God has done something for us in the past in the person of Jesus, and now there's this gift for us, and uh, there's an end where Jesus is going to make things right and fix everything, and that's it. Like, hmm. if that was the end of our faith, then that would be kind of terrible because we'd have to live our lives in this weird, mucky middle where everything is going terrible and life isn't the way it should be and all that kind of stuff. And it's just as you're, you're resigned to, like, miserable living. Mm-hmm. But that's not what, what this is about. In fact, Romans actually gets into this when we start talking about the power of the Spirit. And we'll, you yep. know, we'll talk about we'll that in weeks there. to come. But my point is that there's something in the middle and in the middle, it's the Paul describes it like a relationship, almost like a marriage that you've decided I'm going to break up with my, uh, my connection to sin and the law and all these different things. Yep. And, and, you know, let's put aside what Paul, Paul basically says that in order to break your vow, you have to die. Right. Yep. Which is kind of true in a legal sense. Yep. You're free to marry someone else after someone, you know, whatever, but that's not my point. <laughs> yeah. What I'm trying to say is that you're going to break up with one relationship and you're going to say, I'm going to enter into voluntarily a relationship with Jesus, whom I love, who's going to be the object of my desire, the, 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 the end goal, everything that I'm focused towards. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to do that, I'm going to give up some of myself. Right. I'm going to sacrifice. I am going to uh, release my own freedoms and take up this, this, uh, this relationship, which does include... Um, an actual bondage to what he wants for us, right? So we're, right. we're, we're again, transferring our trust from the things that we used to believe to we're going to put it in Jesus and then yeah. we're going to focus on that. So our lives in the middle are lived in this really great, um, wonderful place where we are in relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. whom we love, and his, that love d- drives us to live our lives in a way that we talk about sanctification. Yeah. It's a way that, that, that helps build our relationship with him. And so to, to go back to where we started, mm-hmm. the whole idea is the spiritual practices that we put in place are not in place to make us better people. They're put in place to help us get to know Jesus. And when we do that, we find peace and we find all the good things that he's promised for us. Mm. And that's the goal is, is knowing him the byproduct is a life of freedom and peace and all those kind of good things. Right. Okay. So, so how do we, uh, like we were saying early on, people use the word freedom in a lot of different ways. And I, I, I don't know if this is actually a completely different topic. Yeah. It's, I think maybe more related to sanctification, which is unrelated, but it's not like, as we're saying it, it's not necessarily the thing. Um, in community, you know, there's often been this question in the church as to like, what's appropriate behavior. So, and and it's, if I can say it's a moving target as culture changes and for all kinds of reasons, um, some people would say as Christians, you shouldn't drink any alcohol. And some people would say, I have the freedom to be able to drink some alcohol. Yeah. 
And like that, that can create tensions. Is that like, is that a completely different use of the word freedom? Do we, how do we address that? Is that related to this at all? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all related, and maybe this can be another uh, extended podcast because, you know, Paul does address this later in the book of Romans very, very specifically. But I would say that um, that there is, there is an aspect of freedom in the sense that um, we're no longer bound to these kind of, um, you know, the things that were put in place, uh, but there's also a... Um, a willing, so I've already said that in a relationship, in a marriage relationship, you are you are voluntarily giving up things in order because of your love for the other person. That would be the same in this context. Like, you know, we voluntarily choose not to do certain things at certain times for the sake of the people around us. Because again, our goal is is for us to get to know Jesus, but not just for us personally, for us as a community, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's, it, it is related in the sense that it, it reminds us of what it looks like to give things up for the sake of others. Um, but yeah, that I think is, is kind of where I'd go with that. Okay. Um, what else do we want to touch on around freedom? What, how have you seen this? Um, like, can you give me an example of someone or, or what this might look like to understand freedom well and to practice it well, and maybe the ways we avoid getting into trouble with freedom? What, what does that look like practically? Well, I think, I think it's, it's, it's good to know how we're getting in trouble with freedom. I think sometimes we forget some things that are ultimately true about, about us because of our relationship with Jesus. Sure. So what I mean is that, you know, in, in Romans, Paul um, says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. And we forget that, right? We, we keep feeling like, oh no, I have to work for it. I have to work for it. And, um, the idea that, that we've been given something as a gift, uh, often puts us in a place where, um, you know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to us. And so we always want to help God. Um, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be preaching, um, uh, this week and talking a little bit about the person of Abraham and Mm -hmm. Abraham's story is fascinating for a lot of different reasons. But one of the things that you notice right away is that Abraham often is trying to help God accomplish his, his, his plans and purposes. And where he fails is when he tries to jump in and, and, and do something to kind of make things right. Even mm-hmm. though it's well-intentioned, it takes him off in different places. Where he is, uh, demonstrates this, this incredible faith and where he's celebrated are these moments where he um, steps back and, and relinquishes control. And so what I would say in terms of like, what are those examples? What does it look like? It looks to me like, you know, relinquishing control. Mm. Um, It looks to me like not always wanting my own way. Um, It looks like humility. It looks like sacrifice. It looks like love. So all of those things, you know, I think that sometimes, you know, like for example, Um, and maybe this is a personality thing, right? But you, you, sometimes you see someone who's really loud and brash and they always kind of get what they want because they just say it or they, you know, they'll go to the, you know, the person who's doing something and they'll say, I demand this because of this and they get it. And sometimes we get frustrated by those people. But I think the opposite of that are, are those individuals who are, you know, the Bible talks about meekness and quietness and, and there's this, this humility of, I don't mind if someone else gets more than me. Mm. I don't mind if my life doesn't go the way that I wanted it to. 
Um, you know, there's a, there's kind of a happiness and a joy that comes with it as we face struggles and difficulties, because we kind of say, you know, I'm good with this because I believe in something bigger and I've, I've uh, attached myself, um, to something else. Okay. So, yeah. And I, and I, and then I think the opposite would, the other thing I would say is, is recognize those places where, um, you're enslaved to something else, hmm. even when you think you're free. So right. I think for some people to, to say like, oh, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Really? Because, you know, you seem pretty attached to, you know, your possessions or your job or your family or, you know, all I, these different things. Right? And I feel like in the last couple of years, people have become more aware of how, you know, their phones and social media owns their life. Right. Yeah. They're kind of like, no, I control this. And no, like we're we're addicted. We're slaves to these things. Exactly. Um, exactly. So yeah. I would I would notice the places that you have been enslaved mm. and I would take steps, you know, in terms of an application, take steps to remove yourself from those things and say, okay, what, what can I do to, um, you know, to demonstrate that I have given my life over to God and not this cell phone or not, you know, this food or not, you know, the money that I'm making or whatever. Yeah. So that, that leads me to this next question. Um, if we've got a right understanding of freedom, not, not the, I can do whatever I want freedom, but the, like, I have been released from bondage to sin and now I'm in bondage to Jesus. Um, how do we respond to sin in our lives or idolatry or seeing things in, in the wrong places? Like what, it, to me, it, it actually does change things a bit because it's not this overwhelming guilt, but it's also not this, ah, it doesn't matter. I can keep on sinning, which Paul talks about that, that middle road of recognizing sin as sin and moving our bondage from sin yeah. to Jesus. What does that look like? If we, if we discover sin in our life, if we're called on our sin, how does that, yeah, how does it play itself out in our attitudes and our responses? Yeah, I, I'd say there, there are two sort of, uh, and I talked about this in the podcast, there's, there's two sort of neon light blinking lights that, you know, should, uh, cause us to pause and reflect. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's the opposite of being, um, you know, enslaved to what Jesus wants for us is to be enslaved to sin. And when we are enslaved to sin, it looks like two things. Number one, um, we come, we become complacent with mm. the sin in our lives or the lives of other people. Yep. When it doesn't bother us anymore, it's not even a, it's not even a blip on the radar. Um, it's something that has become so, so habitual that we don't even, we don't even care. That's a warning sign that, that our, our relationship with, with Christ is not where it should be. And then the second thing I think is to, is to look, uh, take a long view of, you know, of your, your life, life and experience and, and kind of, I think there needs to be sort of an up and to the right kind of trajectory that happens, even if it's very, very shallow in terms of like, it's not going up into the right very fast. Right. Um, you may be in, in a downturn where things are going down, but when you take a wide view, you can kind of see like a stock that, you know, things go up and down, but there's a general kind of move up and to the right. And I would say that if that's not happening in your life, um, then you may be stuck, like spiritually stuck. And yeah. I think that, um, that you may be, uh, enslaved to something that is, that is, um, you know, that's keeping you from the relationship with Jesus that wants to free you, but also, uh, connect you to him. And if you find yourself stuck, uh, what's the next step? What should you, what should you seek? Like, does it mean read the Bible more or does it mean sit it down just and means confess? It or? means be honest, recognize that this is who you are, that, you know, that these, these things, um, 
you know, still have a hold in, on you. I think, I think that, you know, Tim Keller in one of his commentaries talks about this idea that, you know, in Christ, you, um, there is this freedom to know that you've won. Mm-hmm. There's a freedom to know that Jesus has, you know, kind of, uh, sort of a st- won the battle, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you don't have to fight. Um, right. and so, and so the fighting means that there's ups and downs. And I would say that if you've, if you've fallen into those places and you're just so disappointed with yourself, the fact that you're disappointed and frustrated is that part of you that's saying, this isn't who I am. You know, yep. who I am is someone who's, who's connected intimately with Jesus and I need the spirit's power in my life. And so just the simple fact of like confessing and calling out those things that you're done, you've done uh, wrong in your life, but yeah. then equally holding up this cry of, I am also forgiven and yeah. knowing those two things together. Yes, I'm terrible and I've done terrible things. Um, I'm also completely forgiven and holding those two things with as much passion um, as each other. That I think is an indication that things are are moving in a direction that is God honoring and is eventually going to get you closer to Jesus and his way. Yeah. And so I'm going to add something to that. I think that's the right kind of attitude, but it's in practice, it almost always has to be done alongside others. Sure. Um, I, I feel like sometimes we get this idea that like, it's, you know, sin is a very personal thing and it's dark and I don't want to share it, but like, man, you can't, you can't yeah. fight a war if you're the only soldier on the field. Right. Um, you have to rely on others or, or you don't have to, but it's certainly a lot easier. And there are often people who can, who can guide you between those two, that overwhelming guilt yeah. and that like freedom in Christ. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes we need encouragement one way and sometimes we need encouragement the other way. That's so good. And that has to be done in community. I mean, it's part of why I'm fascinated by this idea that even a book like Romans, yeah, it, we, for the most part, I would say anyone reading along with us, great, so glad you're doing it, glad you're listening to the podcast, you're probably doing it alone. Can you imagine sitting in a room of a couple hundred people who you know mm-hmm. and hearing these words aloud mm-hmm. and what that would do, right? Like, mm-hmm. ooh, that people might know that, that that might speak directly to something that I naturally am. Or like, I'm yeah. thinking about Cousin Jimmy when they say that. Like, yeah. I, And I think that's, we forget often, that's the context these books were written in, the Bible yeah. was written in it, and that's what it's meant to be human and to be part of church. And that's why we still say, this is my little pitch here, coming to church, gathering for church, being together is yeah. really, really important. Being in relationship and church doesn't, it's not just watching something and taking it in. Yeah. It's being together. It's showing up early, talking to people and then talking with them later and saying, wow, you know, I heard that thing that Paul said, and I don't know about that, but wow, I'm really wrestling with it. Maybe that's the spirit at work in you, says someone yeah. else, right? Like there's, we need community for this. Yeah, and I think if I could just repeat what you said there, because I think it's really, really important is that we need people in our life that are going to tell us both those things, that yeah. we are truly wretched and we make mistakes. And there are times when we need to be reminded of that because mm-hmm. we might be going along blissfully unaware and we need to be reminded. But then there's also this idea that we need to be reminded that we're forgiven. And um, there is so much power in being able to look across the table at someone who has made some mistakes and say, do you know who you are in Jesus? You're, you're forgiven. And and that is powerful. And it should, you know, give us that, well, freedom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that we started like, with. I can even tell just watching you say that now, like for both you and I, that's one of our favorite things as pastors oh, yeah to be able sure. to walk people through that and to be like yeah i mean sin it's bad and you're probably feeling the consequences of that but like yeah. i know you know you're forgiven but do you know you're forgiven yeah 
It's so good. You're a slave to Christ, which means yeah. you have freedom from slavery to yeah. sin and death. So good. Well, I, I think, yes. I don't know how long these normally are, but I think we should call this one here. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we couldn't keep on talking about freedom forever. Uh, looking forward to the five-minute podcast next week, and we'll probably dive back in and do a longer one. You may get me, you may get Connor. We'll see. Thank you, Paul. We'll talk soon.